0: Uh, I uh, Amen. ministering with them over at the coronet. I wonder if you'd just mind stretching your hands forward to pray for me this afternoon. Is that all right? Amen. You guys pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here in your word t- under your word today. And Lord, I ask, Father, that today your anointing of grace, Lord, would be in this house, Lord, that you would speak the words through my mouth that you want spoken. And Father, anything that's not of you, that it would just fall to the ground, Father, but that which is of you, that it would bear fruit. Lord, that fruit would remain, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Father, that today people would be stirred up to lay hold of you, Father. That people today would be stirred up to hunger and thirst for the living God. To meet with you in a personal and meaningful way, each on our own as a community, Father, hungering for more of you. Father, speak to us today by your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Awesome. It's great to have you here today. Great to be back preaching It's been a little while, we had a great month last month, you guys can sit down, we had a great month last month with our uh, missions month um, where we heard from all of the ministers that are currently ministering abroad on behalf of Kensington Temple and seeing amazing, amazing things happen. It's great to hear that offering talk from Max, really hit home and I was sitting there thinking, wow, that's anointed challenging words and I'm sure some of you will have been challenged by that as well, hopefully more of you than just some, amen. Rebecca and I was ha- were having a great day in the sun yesterday. It's great to enjoy the sun, isn't it? Amen. Great to be in the house of God on the Sunday as well while it's cloudy outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to be starting a new series today. Uh, God, I want to see your promised land moving from wilderness to purpose. And really what we're trying to con- connect with here is helping each person engage with their purpose in a more meaningful way. If I was to put out to you the term wilderness or desert, physically speaking, most of us wouldn't have any kind of a reference point for what that looks like unless you've been to one of the major desert regions in the world and and spent some time there. I don't know quite why you'd want to go on holiday to a place like that, but maybe you have done. But there is a sense of wilderness or desert experience, which can occur in the Christian walk, can occur as, in a sense a spiritual experience. And I believe that whenever a wilderness comes along, it always contains within it a purpose. And the purpose of the wilderness is either to destroy your purpose or to release you into a deeper revelation of God's goodness and God's plan for your life. There's always something for us to learn when we go through one of these experiences. And so my intent or my hope today is to challenge you and release you into understanding what's going on and how you can begin to move forward intentionally out of the wilderness into the land that God has prepared for you. Now, every wilderness has a beginning and it has an end as far as God is concerned. Now, the length of time that it takes really depends on you. Essentially, the wilderness exists for as long as, a lesson, as long as it takes for us to learn a lesson. We remember the people of Israel, that they were only intended to spend three to five days journeying through the desert before they got to the promised land. And yet we know very well that it took them 40 years to get there. What is it that limits us? What is it that holds us back? What is it co- that causes a desert experience to become a 40, 50-year experience? It all happens up here in the renewal of the mind according to the revelation of God and who he is. If we will not accept God at his word and begin to move from a place of understanding what God says about himself, then we will end up logged, jammed in one place, not moving forward according to the purposes of God. And there's two words that I want to really speak to and challenge while we're going through this message. Those two words are, I think. I think. I think. One of the great travesties of individualism as in the world today is it has taught us to be stupid because we have learned the words I think and assume that therefore it's the truth. There are arguments that have been destroyed for millennia concerning the nature of Christ, concerning the integrity of Scripture, concerning the authority of Scripture. For millennia they have been destroyed. And yet today, because people add the word, I think, suddenly they're seeing a revival. I think that Jesus was just a nice guy. I think that Jesus was just a prophet. I think that they doctored scripture. Tell us in history when they changed scripture, please. Let's go to a point in time and have a look at it and let's see where they changed scripture because as far as I know, in the history that we read and that is widely available, there was never a point in time when scripture was changed. So I think scripture's been changed, therefore I'm not gonna believe it. I think Jesus is not God, therefore I'm not gonna do what he says I should do. I think that really, you know what, maybe we should hold this idea of God and creation in some sort of attention because we're not really sure about if it's really true or not. I wanna encourage us to begin to understand that scripture, if we don't believe the bits that we don't want to believe, then why would we believe salvation? Why would we believe in in heaven? Why would we believe in justification by grace through faith alone? Why would we believe in any one of those things? See, I think are words that will keep you in desert spaces for a long, 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 long time. And I really want to rip out the idea that we should elevate, I think, above the Word of God says. The Word of God should determine what we think when we are coming to understand how we should look at a situation, what does God think? And therefore, how should I think? Not, I think above what God thinks. You get where I'm going with this, amen. So I wanna begin with Matthew chapter five and verse six. Scripture speaks right to the heart of the issue. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're created to hunger and thirst. We hunger and thirst physically. We hunger and thirst emotionally. We hunger and thirst spiritually. We hunger and thirst intellectually. In every area, there is something in the creation identity of man that we desire more. The only question is, what are we using to meet that need? What are we using to satisfy or satiate our appetite? Is it... Righteousness, the things of God? Pure, holy, true, everlasting? Or is it the worldly presentation? Money, relationships after relationships, promotions, this job, that job, this friend, that friend, that name to drop. What is it that we're using to satisfy our hunger? What is it that we use using to satiate our thirst? A desert experience. What does it look like? Think for a moment about the people of Israel. They had a, a, a supernatural salvation. If you look at Exodus chapter one through chapter fourteen, we see the, the the signs and the wonders that the Lord used to convince Pharaoh to release the people of Israel to come out of. Egypt and to go to take their own land. Supernatural. A cloud led them by day. A fire warmed them by night. They were led to a Red Sea which parted and they passed through the Red Sea onto the other side and thus escaping death and punishment and enslavement. And yet those same people who'd experienced the supernatural salvation found themselves very quickly in a new terrain, the desert terrain. And the desert terrain was intended to be a place where they could cleanse, sanctify, see set free from the old ways of thinking, the slave ways of thinking, the Egypt ways of thinking. Those three, four, five days of going into the desert to worship God, which was what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go out there to worship God. They were supposed to go out there to seek God. Now, if God called us somewhere, hopefully we should know that God is going to provide for the journey. But for some reason, they found themselves very quickly saying, you know what? God hasn't done this, and we wish we were back in Egypt, and where's the food, and where's the water, and where's this, and where's that? And so instead of having a sanctifying experience walking into the desert, remembering God, thanking God, glorifying God, coming to the place of worship, they very quickly got taken back to the place of complaining, because their mind wasn't renewed. And they found themselves now walking in the desert for 40 years, because they didn't understand the very important thing, that they were too Renew their mind according to the thinking of God and to understand the nature of God, which was already supernaturally revealed to them. Now, sometimes today we refer to something known as the honeymoon period of our salvation. Any of you experienced that? That day when you got saved, you know, you just like. I don't even know what was going on, but it was just so awesome, and I just felt the presence of God. I had goosebumps, and everything was amazing, and I just felt so emotional. Whatever it might have been that happened to you on your salvation day, something significant happened. Now, some of you had a one or two hour long honeymoon, and pretty well, as soon as you got home, you thought, oh my God, this is hell on earth. Now, I've accepted God, but now these people hate me because I've accepted God or to follow Jesus. But some people have a honeymoon, a decent honeymoon, and they have three, four, five months of awesome times with God, and their prayer just seems to get answered before they even think it. And this happens, and that happens, and wow, I've got such a testimony because God's done such great things. So whichever end of the spectrum you find yourself on, pretty soon you'll find yourself in a place of a desert. What would a desert look like? Spiritually speaking, it looks like God beginning to hide himself. The prayers, answered prayers don't seem to happen so quickly. The financial challenges seem to mount up. Other issues begin to crowd in. Our family begins to give us problems for our faith. Or uh, work life begins to get difficult. And we suddenly find ourselves like, God, did I really get it right? Did I really meet you? Or was it just like a, an, an emotional experience? And we begin to doubt, you know what, I'm not really even sure if I believe in God, you know, it went well for, I got a lot out of it, you know, a few months, it was good, but you know, I'm just going to chuck all of this God stuff in, you know, it, it was good while it lasted. We might not actually walk out the church, but we begin to accept less than what God intends for us sitting in the church, possibly even today. We could end up sitting down and say, God, you know, that's what you used to do. That's amazing stuff at the beginning, but now, you know, just life as usual. But that's not at all what God intends. He intends that we would begin to move forward with him. See, God hasn't changed. Even though he's hidden himself, he hasn't changed. Why is he hiding himself then? He's hiding himself so that we would then begin to pursue him. If he didn't hide himself, then we would find ourselves in danger of an immature understanding of who God is. I had this very self-same experience myself. I was raised in a Christian family, went taking the church every Sunday um, up until the age of 18. But all I knew about church and God was the fact that my mom made me go and she made us pray. That was it. I had no foundation in God. One time or two times I'd gone to a youth camp and I put my hand up and said, you know what, God, I want you. I want to meet with you. I want to know you. But then never practically did anything myself. Never read my Bible all the way through. Never did any of that stuff. And so the moment my, my life gets shaken, my mom got cancer and then I ended up going to university, my whole foundation to do with God, one sweep, gone. And so from the age of 18 till the age of 23 stroke 24, I lived a life of alcohol, violence, anger, rage, depression, joblessness, all of that. Was a top grade student, went to get a third class degree, still in chemistry, so I still got a brain in there somewhere, hallelujah. <laughs> but for, through a, a storm, through a, a desert scenario, I ended up finding myself with no foundation, or oh, well, the foundations that I would had were actually no foundations whatsoever. And so I needed to go through that experience. My mom is still grieved today. She would love for me to have a 2-1 and be able to pin that on my wall and say I got a proper job, but I got a proper job, amen, hallelujah. Um, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't gone through that experience because what it served to do was to teach me who God actually was. Not what I wanted God to be or who I thought he should be. You know, that every time somebody gets sick that we should just pray and it happens instantly that they get healed and everything should be perfect. I mean, I think a lot of us sometimes we live in this uh, utopia that's reserved for heaven. In this world, people get sick, people die. We can still believe for people to be saved. We can believe for them to be healed. We can believe for them not to die out of due time, but it does happen because we're in a broken world. That which we desire... Perfect peace is in heaven, and we're going to have it. We have a promise of that. Jesus is risen from the dead. He is going to take us to be with him in heaven. But here and now, we need to understand how to lay hold of God in the reality of our life. We need to understand how to lay hold of God and hold him to who he is, even when we're facing the most difficult challenge of our life. Oh, you know, God just stopped answering my prayer. I don't even believe that God's up. Every single prayer that you've prayed, I can tell you this, 100%. Every single prayer that you've prayed, God remembers even if you don't. And he is going to answer those prayers. His promise is yes and amen. But his desire is for you to know who he really is. That's what really needs to change. And it needs to change up here. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does that, another way of saying that is, don't be conformed to this world, be conformed to his world. Let heaven shape the way you think. Let God and his perfect will shape the way that you live. Don't be conformed by what you do see, but rather seek out what is revealed to us in scripture so that we can understand the will of God in heaven and live it out on the earth. See, that's God's God's intent of the promised land. The promised land is the land that God wants us to live in where the will of heaven is done on earth. He taught us to pray it, our Father who is in heaven. May your kingdom come, may your earth will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants us to live in the promised land. But we need to understand when we find ourselves in the desert, what's going on. Now let me make this point before we move on, that the desert, the place of the lack of evident experience, maybe prayers aren't getting answered straight away, maybe we're struggling, maybe we're finding it difficult, maybe we're finding circumstances that we don't understand and we're trying to wrestle with them. They are all part of a desert experience, but that's very different to being in prison. Now, prison happens when you're walking in sin and when you're walking in offense. We can deal with that under a different context, but understand that God doesn't want you under the control of sin. One of the biggest deceptions that exists in the world today is God set us free by grace so that we could go and sin. That's not freedom. Anytime we return to sin, it's like returning to slavery. God God set us free from sin, not free to sin and he did so by grace. By grace, he removed that slavery to sin and gave us the choice to choose righteousness. But if we think we can go back to sin, that is leading us back into prison. Your portion isn't sin. Your portion, therefore, isn't prison. Your portion isn't to walk in offense. Jesus called us to forgive. So prison experiences are separate. We'll treat them later on. But we find ourselves in a Desert experience now. Now, there's a few issues with the desert experience. One is that it can take us a time to notice we're in one. I'm sure you all have gifts of some description, whatever that gift might be. Maybe some of you are incredibly uh, conscientious. Make sure you do everything right. Maybe some of you are highly skilled in in certain areas. Maybe some of you are confident in your ability to keep going and have strength physically to keep going in different situations in life. And it's very easy, whatever your gifting is, to live out of the gifting instead of living connected to God and who He is. Gifts are only part of the revelation of God in your life. Knowing Him is the fullness of what God prepares us for. So firstly, that's one challenge, that we can run on the strength of our gifts instead of walking in the strength of his daily living water. The second issue is sometimes we're so emaciated in the spirit because we are so fat in the things of the world that we don't even understand or perceive that we need to grow strong spiritually. That's one of the great benefits of fasting as you begin to perceive, you know what, literally, I am fat physically, emotionally, intellectually, but I'm not fat spiritually. And so we fast to understand and put things in perspective to say, you know what, I need to grow strong spiritually. I need to grow so that when I come to pray, I'm not spending 15 minutes or half an hour trying to get into the presence of God. No, I'm so exercised from praying regularly that I'm in the presence of God very quickly. I'm laying hold of God very quickly. That strength in the spirit. When I pray, my prayers get answered. When I pray, the presence of God comes. When I pray, things begin to move because I'm praying and exercising spiritually it's like lifting weights you walk into a gym you might lift up the two kilo weight but if you work out a bit more you might lift up the four kilo weight if you work out a little bit more you might get up to 18 19 20 I don't know however many weights you want to move in Jesus name amen huh I I figure if you can pick yourself up then you've done pretty well but same with spiritual things we want to exercise the spiritual gifts and become strong and moving in those spiritual gifts so that whenever we face different situations, we can see the power of God revealed in those things. And that's why God leads us into the desert. It's like taking us to the gym. It's like taking us to the place where we need to strengthen ourselves, where we grow strong in the things of God. Now, to put in perspective what I'm talking about, all of us don't want really know what it's like to live in in hot climates. Let's face it, we live in England, hallelujah. But over this last month or so, we've experienced unusual weather. And I wonder how many of you've noticed that you just find yourself like, waking up like, oh my God, I just wanna to go to sleep, it's so hot. And then you're like sitting on your sofa, you're sitting outside and you just, let me just go for a little sleep. No work today, let me take it easy today because it's just so hot. All of you know what I'm talking about? Now that, that's what would happen if we were suddenly to be transported into a supernatural environment, we'd be sitting there like, oh my God, I don't know what to do in this kind of an environment. I, I, I just don't know how to function. I don't know how I pray like these guys pray. I don't know how I move in the spirit like these guys move in the spirit because I'm just, you know, I'm so used to a different environment. I'm so used to cold. How are we living spiritually? Are we used to cold climates? Are we used to the desert? I believe that God wants to begin to stir us, to understand that things in the spirit are far beyond what we're experiencing now. Your prayers, they need to be answered. Your believing God for salvation needs to begin to happen. The things where you're praying for people to be healed, not all of them are going to be healed, but most of them could be. But we're seeing ones, maybe twos. When are we gonna start to understand that life in the spirit is far beyond? It's actually what we find in scripture. Miracles everywhere that people went. The preaching of the gospel followed by signs and wonders. Abundant provision, miraculous breakthrough. People not afraid of prison because God just comes and opens the prison doors in the middle of the night. A place where God begins to do unusual and amazing things because we've begun begun to grow strong spiritually. Are our minds being yielded to the Word and being shaped by the Word? If we begin to realize that perhaps they're not, then maybe we're put in the right place. If we're beginning to realize that actually, you know, I, I recognize that I'm pretty well fat in all of the other areas except spiritually, then you might start to recognize that you're actually thirsty. And that's what we want to stir up through this series. We're thirsty. 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 I had this terrible experience the other day. Really awful. Really, really bad. I was sitting somewhere. And my tongue, it began to grow really, really dry. And my throat was really, really just, I could barely talk. It was so parched. And I was just sitting there and thinking to myself, if only I could have a glass of water. And so what I did was I got up off the sofa and I went to the kitchen (laughs) and I got a glass of water. Our problem is that we take things for granted. You know, people used to have to go for a day or two days, they used to have to plan when they were gonna go get water, the time of day they were gonna get to make sure that they didn't get burnt by the sun or dehydrated as they went to get it. They used to have to plan to make sure that they were there early enough so that when other people came to get water they weren't waiting in the queue and they'd get their water and they'd bring it back and they'd supply for their family and then they'd go again maybe the same evening or the next day or two days later and they would have to intentionally go out and seek after water. Our problem is that we're complacent because we're in the place of provision. What I'm talking about is I don't want us to just suddenly sit here and go, God, you know what, I really hear what Gabriel's saying. I'm going to have one supernatural experience. I'm going to immerse myself in the presence of God, and that's going to be it. Because we all know that we do it that one day, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we just go back to living the same way that we did before. What I want to get to us and speak to our hearts is that we need to get good at receiving this living water every single day. And for us, the reason I'm bringing the illustration of going to the tap to get a glass of water is we've grown lazy. If water doesn't come out of the tap, we say, what's wrong with the tap? Let me call somebody to complain. Let's complain about the water not coming out of the tap. Let's uh, complain, oh, I I don't get spiritually fed in that church I go to. I don't get watered in that church I go to because they're supposed to have it on tap and we're supposed to just come and get it. Instead of each day us personally going out on the daily pursuit for water. Now, thank God we live in a day where water is on tap. You see, innovation is supposed to free us so we can spend time on more purposeful things. But instead of li- liberating us to spend more time on purposeful things, it has made us lazy. What are we doing about getting into the word of God and immersing ourselves in the word of God to draw out the living water that on a daily basis makes us strong spiritually? Probably I know that all of you are thinking, well, I'm feeling a bit convicted. This is me right now. I'm not interested in conviction. I'm interested in action. What are we doing to get into the Word of God, to begin to draw out of the Word of God the living water that is going to strengthen us and refresh us, not once a quarter, once every half year, you know what, I'll go for my annual MOT at the Encounter Center. No, this is daily, I'm receiving from the Word of God, and I'm drawing on that living water, I'm making that personal decision today to make the journey to get living water. I'm going to the well, I'm going into my Word to get life about Jesus, understanding about Jesus from the word. You know what? I thank God every day for the church, this church. The way I equivocate it is that God has put me in a boat in the biggest lake in London. And if I want to receive from God, all I need to do is take a glass and dip it over the edge and get a glass of water. That's what, where God has privileged us and blessed us with. But do we know it? No, we're sitting in the boat waiting for the tap to come over the side and we're trying to open it and it's not water's not coming out and what's going on? Just reach over the side and get, get a glass of water. Oh, whose, whose job is it to get the water? Well, Thames water, isn't it? They're supposed to provide us with the water. And that's a problem oh, I come to church because the pastor has been digging a well, and the pastor is going to bring us a word that is going to refresh us on Sunday so that come Saturday, I'll still have something left so that when I come on Sunday, I'll be all good. But you see, this isn't why I come to church, never, never why I started coming, and I hope it's not why you come, If at least from this point forward. We come together... To be shown how, as part of a community, we can individually seek God and receive from God and receive from his word on a daily basis as part of the whole. Not so that I can give you the water that I'm bringing out of the well, but we can all learn how to go build wells and draw water and get into the scripture. My Bible is in here on the nap, right? But get into the scripture and begin to draw in it. Begin to draw that living water. You get what I'm saying? Some of you. See, Jesus wants us to get into contact. He wants us to understand that he wants to give us a water that will last us, that will bring us life. Jesus said to the woman at the Samaritan, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. What are we going to associate our thirst with? The only true satisfying thing that will fill our deepest needs is hungering, thirsting for righteousness, and nourishing ourselves on righteousness. Righteousness. Hungry and thirsting for the things of God, and nurturing ourselves on the things of God. And it means each one of us, as part of this community, need to begin to take responsibility for that. See, what happens is, if, if you just like, well, this doesn't affect me, is the desert happens like the Israelites. You see, they were thinking what they wanted to think, and the other person was thinking what they wanted to think, and the other person was thinking what they wanted to think, instead of, Aligning to the call of God upon the people of Israel to go and worship God. It's a compounded issue. If each one of us doesn't take responsibility for going to God, to receive from God as part of the community, then the community as a whole suffers and we just end up walking around in in the desert. We should all be hungering and thirsting for the things of God. And taking it personally that as part of what we're doing as a whole, we would Move the community forward. Move the church forward because we are pursuing God. That's the call of God on our lives. Revelation 22 verse 17 says, And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. If we find ourselves in the desert, if we find ourselves with God withdrawn, so to speak, what is he asking of us? He's asking for our minds to be renewed according to the word and that we would seek God. If the well that we dig is two feet deep, it's not deep enough, dig four feet deep, dig six feet deep, dig, dig 100 feet deep until you hit the water that God has promised in there, is there. And lay a foundation. Lay a foundation in the Word so that when you come into this community, you're bringing strength to strengthen your brother, to strengthen your sister, so that together as the church, we can go forward to do what Jesus calls us to do. Now, you want to know what strength looks like, strength in the desert. I'll tell you what strength in the desert looks like. It looks like Jesus. Sometimes we get afraid of desert experiences. Oh, you know what? I want the comfort land. I want the land of promise. I want my my comfort zone. Jesus submitted the wilderness. See, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness deliberately and prayed. We want to run away from the wilderness, but Jesus goes to the wilderness because that's the place where he is going to rule in prayer, and he's going to demolish things in prayer, and he's going to see things in prayer, and he's going to answer things in prayer so that when he comes back, power happens. People get saved, people get healed, people get delivered. Sometimes we need to enjoy the desert experience and say, you know what, Jesus, I thank you for bringing me here because here's where I'm gonna grow strong praying. Here's where I'm gonna grow strong thinking. It's a funny image, just popped into my head, but any of you remember that Rocky where he went old school and went back to the hills running up and down the snow-covered mountains because he wanted to win a battle because he was old school? Maybe some of you don't know that. (laughs) But Jesus went to the desert The desert is the place of strength. Remember John the Baptist. John the Baptist spent his whole time ministering in the desert. And he was hardcore. He used to call the Pharisees broods of vipers. He used to speak truth of such profound nature that people just came from everywhere into the desert to hear the gospel. See, it was when they when they brought him into prison that he began to doubt. But for him, the desert place was the place of strength. If you find yourself in a place of strength right now, let me just put this challenge out there to you. You need to get strong at connecting with God and knowing God and drawing from God in that situation. And then you'll begin to see a way forward. One of the biggest deceptions is when we find ourselves in the middle of the desert and we think that the desert is all there is. No. Don't accept that in the desert... Sickness is all my portion and I'm just going to die with this sickness and nothing good's going to happen. No. There is a word that has come from God. There is a word which brings life in the desert. Wherever you find yourself, I'm struggling right now with prayerlessness. No. There's a word that comes from God. Living waters that will cause you to pray effectively. Whatever desert. Whatever situation. There's a word that God has given us so what I want us to do is for the last five minutes or so, intentionally connect with God. Intentionally. What do I mean? I mean by, you know what, God? When Gabriel said this, that, 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 that really just highlighted where my thinking is at right now. But God, I want to hear what you have to say about this situation. So I'm listening, I'm seeking you, I'm trusting you. Begin to listen out, begin to hunger for more, begin to say, God, you know, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, because he wants to. You knowing God deeper is the purpose for him hiding himself. He wants to hide so that you seek more to get more, so that you get a deeper foundation. So right where you are, start to pray, start to seek God. The band are gonna lead us in a song, Lord, I'm thirsty. If you want to stand and worship, you can. But for the next five minutes, I want you to really, really expect to hear from God. Okay? Are you with me? All right. If you want to stand, please stand. Off on you, ready? Okay. Great. Let's worship. Jesus. Jesus.
1: Jesus. Lord, I am. Thirsty, thirsty, for Your presence, Lord. I am hungry.
0: presence here today. Lord, we thank you for the renewing and the refreshing that is happening even now, Father, to hearts that have long been thirsty for you and needing a drink. Lord, we pray, Father, that today, Lord, that you would do much more than just show us how to have a big drink on a Sunday, but that we would thirst for more of your living water from Monday through to Saturday. Lord, that you begin to put a hunger in us to come and seek your word, to seek you in worship, to seek your presence, that we might know you and that we might know you more. Lord, we pray, Father, that if any of us find ourselves in a desert situation, Lord, that we would not close our minds and continue to think in the ways of old, Lord, that you begin to stir us up, Father. You begin to renew our minds according to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that we would surrender, I think, ideologies and begin to ground ourselves in the Word. And Lord, as we lay hold of your promise, lay hold of your word, lay hold of your will, that we would begin to see that effective in our lives as we step towards our promised lands. Lord, we thank you that each one of us has a land to possess and see you glorified in. Each one of us has a place to take, Father, as part of the community in that land, Lord, where we can see power released, where we can see the kingdom of God established. Lord, we ask for each one, Lord, that you'd align us to that purpose by causing us to hunger and thirst for your righteousness first. Jesus, by the end of this month, we want to see each person hungering and thirsting more of you, for more of you, for more of you. Jesus' name. Jesus
2: name Jesus name Jesus name And if you want to worship another song
0: Do you want to? If you want to, we will. Okay. Let's worship then. the Lord Father we thank you for your presence here as we praise you and as we exalt you we thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit in this place on every thirsty heart on every hungry heart Lord that you begin to minister your strength your peace your love your grace fill them Fresh right where they are, fill them to overflowing right where they are, and tomorrow do the same again as they come to seek you, and the day after do the same again as they come to seek you, and the day after do the same again as they come to seek you for the living water. Oh, we ask you, Father, for a church of people that are strong in their knowledge of you and strong in the Spirit. People that have shaken off the ways of the world and the strengthening of the world and rather have come to seek you for your living water. Start to lead out in tongues and pray in tongues if you do. But we'll just start to praise, start of thanking. <laughs>
2: Rama Rama Sita Rama Sita Rama 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 Rama
1: Sita
2: Rama Rama Sita Rama Rama Sita Rama Rama Sita Rama
0: us, Lord, fill us, Lord, fill us, Lord. Lord, as you fill us and flood our hearts, Lord, begin to wash away depression, begin to wash away negative, hopeless, faithless ways of thinking. Lord, begin to stir up hope in us, Lord Jesus, hope for your kingdom, hope for your glory to be released in us hope concerning the situations we're praying about. Faith, Lord Jesus. Faith to see the impossible made possible. Lord, we thank you, Father, for answering our prayer, Lord. For hearing our cry, Lord Jesus. For beginning to do a new thing. Lord, I thank you that you would do a new thing in this generation. Lord, that people would be renewed and transformed by your word. Not conformed to the world, but but transformed by your word. Jesus,
2: Jesus. In Jesus name.
0: sick in this place today, take a hand and put it where you're sick Father we thank you for every person here they're a child of the living God, a son or a daughter of the living God we release your healing anointing over their bodies and command healing in Jesus name, command divine order in their bodies Father right where they're putting their hand right now by faith Lord we speak healing over their bodies where was pain, we command that pain to go. Where there is malfunctioning kidneys or malfunctioning livers, we command those kidneys to come into line and those livers to come into line in the name of Jesus. Lord, where there are joints out of, out of line, Lord, where there is damage to ligaments, where there is damage to muscles, Father, we command those to come back into line in Jesus' name. Father, where there is a sickness of the heart today, where there is a brokenness and a despondency from heartbreak to do with relationships, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you would heal, Lord, that you would move mightily to take away that pain that is associated with that heartbreak, Lord, and begin to set your son or your daughter on the right path, Father, knowing that they are loved by you most significantly. I Lift up those, Father, who are struggling right now with what to do with family members who are sick or even recently passed away. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would put in their hearts hope, Lord, of that day, the resurrection day, the day when we get to see you, Jesus. We lift up every person, Father, that is not yet saved, that we've been praying for to be saved. Lord, we thank you for a shift right now in the spiritual realm over their lives. We thank you for a dynamic change, Lord God, that you'd push back the works of darkness and you bring forward the word of truth into their lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, for testimonies of salvation, for testimonies of people responding to the gospel of Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus. name. Just one final thing. Father, we thank you for those that even now are wrestling. They feel like they've shunned the call of God. They feel like they've missed out on your plan and purpose for them. But Lord, we thank you that you're the God of the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth chance, the hundredth chance, the thousandth chance. If only we would turn to you. And Lord, I pray for every person that is carrying a weight of guilt and a weight of shame and a weight of condemnation and we break that off right now in Jesus name and Father I thank you for your hand to reach out towards those even now seated feeling like you can't work with them or they can't walk with you and Lord that you'd begin to take them by the hand and lift them up that they would have a sensation of you just pulling their heart upwards their hope upwards and Lord you begin to release to them a new sense of call, a new sense of destiny to those that were called to the ministry and ran away from the ministry Lord that you'd bring them back, that you'd set them on a path to become more like Jesus to disciple and train Jesus. Jesus.
2: Jesus Jesus Jesus
0: Jesus we praise you Lord in Jesus name Amen Amen. There's never an easy way to end a service like this But we will be back Ministering in the spirit tonight At the 7 o'clock And this teaching service at 5 And you can keep just walking in that sense of God's peace As you leave today uh, We'd love for you to join us So for Bruce at the 5 and Bruce at the 7 It's going to be a great time Otherwise, God bless you Enjoy yourselves See you all next Sunday For more of God's promised land Amen